If you're listening to this episode, you're listening to one of our first ever episodes. Yay, you. Uh, Depending on which episode you're listening to, you may notice that we're still working some things out like the music in episode one or the just general audio audio problems that we have all the time sorry yeah we want to leave these episodes up to show our progress so this disclaimer is to thank you for listening and hopefully you'll have patience with these things yes we definitely ironed it out in season two so more to come Two, one. Welcome to our dogcast. I'm Sarah and I'm Laurel, and this is What Is Dog? Is it the question or the answer? Sarah, this week we are featuring Chloe. Yes! She is a six-month-old. She's a chocolate lab boxer mix. She's very sweet and affectionate. She's house and kennel type. She knows her basic commands, and she's dog and cat friendly. So Farmer Fosters, aka Chloe the Human, rescued Chloe the dog from a local family after the family saved her from a different, more neglectful family. Did that make sense to you? My head is spinning. <laughs> Chloe and Chloe? What? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that makes sense. So there was one bad family. They neglected her. No. Another family saved her, but then they just couldn't take care of her anymore. So then Chloe the Human came in and is now fostering her. Yay. Hooray for both Chloe's. (laughs) So Barking Out Loud Rescue and Farm Dog Fosters basically pulled together for this one, as they usually do, and gave her that foster home. And she really is ready to go to a new family for the holidays. Oh, that's so great. So if you're looking to give maybe your kid a dog and teach them how to be a responsible dog owner this would be a good time definitely definitely and i'm going to show you her picture she's right here oh my gosh what a cutie she's got very interesting eyes yeah they're there's like a really 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 light brown but with like a blue middle yeah she's got like a cute little button nose she does she's very small she's not what you would think about when you think lab Mm -hmm. so um definitely go check out the picture on instagram for this week This week, we're talking to Savannah Welna of Feed Thy Dog. It's (laughs) safe to say that we've been a bit obsessed about what to feed our dogs lately. Savannah grew up with dogs and began to get more involved with animal care by fostering for a wiggling home boxer rescue. She doesn't foster currently, but she is actually the area state coordinator for Montana, and a portion of her business's income from recipe analysis actually goes towards WHBR. That's amazing. Savannah is well-schooled on nutrition and went on to study at the Companion Animal Sciences Institute, completing the CN and ACN, which stands for Advanced Canine Nutrition. (laughs) I mean, the list just keeps going on and on. She just finished up at Oxford Learning College and e-training for dogs, and now she's currently enrolled at Helena College. She's definitely got a ton of schooling and training, that's for sure. Good for her. The last thing I want to mention about Savannah is that she also started Raw, Fed, and Nerdy on Facebook, which provides education for pet owners wishing to take a do-it-yourself approach to homemade feeding. Savannah is not only about feeding fresh, but also to truly take the science and apply a custom approach to each specific dog. That's incredible. Let's go talk to her.
Savannah, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's clear, especially as everyone just heard in our introduction, that you are very well versed in dog nutrition and we just couldn't wait to talk to you because we have become quite obsessed with it lately. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Savannah, you are clearly someone that takes education seriously, as we have mentioned, and committed your life to learning about dog nutrition. Have you always had a strong interest in not only dog nutrition, but just perpetual learning in general? So I think if my family's listening, they would be laughing because whenever <laughs> I pick something up, it's like, it's not just like, I kind of want to learn about it, but it's like, I got to learn everything I can about it. It doesn't matter. Like in this instance, nutrition really held on for a long time. Right. But whether it's, you know, anything from like a household appliance to like uh, a new fitness routine or anything like that. So yeah, I love getting into the nitty gritty details of everything. That's amazing. It's yeah. so, um, it's definitely, you're going after Sarah's heart. She's on the science team. We work together and she's on the science team at work. And she is very much similar in that way, just researching and finding things out. <laughs> Always ongoing learning. <laughs> um, I'm actually in grad school too right now, and I just, I'm loving it. I love having that challenge and just learning new stuff every week. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Congrats. So, <laughs> Savannah, I know you're a dog lo lover, but what started your major passion with dog nutrition? So I think where I come from is not unlike many others. It was, you know, I kind of fixed my own um, health issues or started that journey. And it wasn't, you know, too long before I was like, I wonder how my dog feels. Um, but also my, my background growing up, uh, my dad, uh, Dr. Miller, he actually knew about raw feeding, like way, I feel like way before there was this huge craze. Um, so he kind of talked about it, like you had mentioned it when I was uh, still, you know, in high school. And so that was kind of always there in my mind. And he was always a proponent of um, you know, real whole fresh foods. And so I think it just kind of, you know, once I, you know, moved out, got married and, um, especially when I started volunteering with Wiggling Home Boxer Rescue, I just seemed like nutrition felt like where my home was going to be. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's definitely something that I can see why people get passionate about it because there's just not there's a lot of different varying information in the market, but nothing that's just really clear cut and one direction for um, dog lovers and dog owners. So appreciate people like you who really dig into it a little bit more. I totally get that all the time. Just the, the, there's just a serious sense of being overwhelmed in the dog food world right now. And it just, I feel like it's just expanding and expanding and expanding. It's so true. We've had more than a few episodes right now surrounding dog nutrition to try to help out sorting through all of that, um, you know, what everyone's saying right now. Um, we even went back to the history of dog food, <laughs> which we learned a lot about, you know, how marketing kind of made the trajectory of where dog food is today. Some of the things that we have learned um, is really to that feeding a variety of feeds is the best way forward. Um, we, we thought about it more and, you know, the old kind of way about it was you just fed one type of dog food for your dog's whole life. And that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, why would you even think that one dog food could hit all of the 
different nutritional elements that your dog needs every day. So it made a lot of sense to me that we kind of landed on that variety is the best way forward. Would you agree with that? Or what do you think when, when you hear that? Yeah, I think there's definitely two components, right? Because you can provide a variety of really good foods, um, but it also has to be mindfully formulated. So I like you know, looking at the formulation, the essential nutrients. Um, but then I also like looking at a variety of ingredients, you know, which is going to, you know, change depending on the owner, right? So somebody um, in one city has access to um, these food sources and maybe somebody who's maybe in like, um, you know, a bigger city will have access to, to different food sources. Um, there's something I called being, um, you know, I use this to describe myself actually when I was, you know, working through my own health journey but it's called being mindlessly healthy. So I swapped out, you know, my processed foods, which were fortified with, you know, just like in the human world, we have processed foods that are fortified with nutrients. And I swapped them out to, you know, fresh whole foods, which was a really great decision. But, you know, some things were impacted, like my B vitamins were impacted because, you know, the, uh, you know, I was eating bread that was fortified with B vitamins and I didn't properly replace those with mindful um, whole food uh, sources. So I am definitely a fan of variety, but also mindful formulation. And also just for the fact, you know, not, you know, a lot of dogs who might have food intolerances, you know, that kind of can limit your choices. But whenever you can kind of choose diverse food choices, you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket, so to speak. Yeah, I love that from looking at your website, you really provide options for the dog owner that's starting this journey. And you provide options where they can begin adding fresh food to the commercial food that they're currently feeding. Can you, and that's especially important for people like me, dog owners mm -hmm. like me, who maybe have never done that before for a dog, provided fresh food. And I also just don't have a lot of time. Can you walk us through what a dog owner first beginning to explore fresh food for their dog might look like as just an additive to kibble? Yeah, for sure. So I actually put a lot of time into um, a guide for this, my enhancing the kibble guide. Um, but I think the first thing is to get familiar with what food is appropriate for dogs, right? So we don't want to add human foods that would, you know, be toxic to dogs. Um, but then I kind of break it down into a few categories. Well, let me back up first really quick. Um, if you have a dog, first of all, that has a health condition or is um, overweight and you're trying to lose weight, that's going to change how you can add fresh food to the, to the diet because we want to, uh, when you're feeding a commercial food, there's you know feeding guidelines on the back of the bag and they formulate the food to provide a certain amount of nutrients for your dog's weight. So let's say you have a dog that needs to lose weight but they're already feeding well below the feeding guidelines, um, I would first move to a kibble that best supports your dog and then start looking at additions. And just like with you know a fresh food diet, I look at all the different categories. I look at plant matter, I look at muscle meat, I look at organ meat, and I look at bones. And um, it's kind of a whole ordeal to go into how much of each you can add, but I would definitely say start with the easy ones. So uh, if you're uh, maybe cooking for yourself and you have carrots or celery uh, or leafy greens, you can add plant matter. Um, if you have lean meat, like lean red meat or uh, maybe chicken breast, you can try adding in a little bit of that. Once you start getting into things like organ meat and bones, we have to be a little bit more careful because they're so nutrient dense, but even those can be a really good uh, addition to a kibble diet. So I'd start with the ones that are, um, you know, don't take as much thought. So the, the lean meats and the plant matter 
are really good additions, especially, you know, with the plant matter too, because it provides, you know, phytonutrients and antioxidants that are not going to be present in kibble. So Flora and I struggle with dogs that have more of a sensitive stomach. And we noticed that you truly customize nutrition for each specific dog. Can you walk us through that process when you're getting a new client for the first time? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's very, very individualized. Uh, it starts with as soon as you begin the process of, um, you know, signing up for a consultation, you're issued a very in-depth uh, health intake form. And I go through eating history. I go through uh, what the environment is like, activity level, health issues, previous health issues, uh, the basically the life of the dog. Where, where did the dog come from? And uh, what does day-to-day -day activity look like? And what has, what is the dog eating now? How, how are they doing on it? How, you know, what was the dog eating and how are they doing uh, at each point in their eating history? And so that's obviously going to tell me a little bit about, you know, um, how an owner comes to the realization that their dog has a sensitive stomach. And I might look at it and be like, okay, when they were noticing that their dog has a sensitive, or when they realize their dog has a sensitive stomach, they were feeding, say, a food that was higher in fat or a food that was lower in fiber or a food that was higher in fiber. And so I'm able to look at the health history of the dog and determine what could be causing some of these issues and then formulate a food that is meant specifically for that dog. Okay, I'm starting to see what your parents mean. You definitely go very in depth whenever you dig into anything. <laughs> it's really great. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I definitely would feel super comfortable being a client oh, of yours, absolutely. knowing how far back you go. <laughs> For sure. So are there any stories of clients that you have worked with who have basically swapped to fresh food? So say any that are in particular that maybe struggled with it a little bit or even were really good at it? And what was their and their dog's journey like? Yeah. So I, there's definitely a lot of clients with very different backgrounds. Um, the one that I see a lot would be coming from raw feeders who feed ratio-based diets, which typically is a good foundation. Um, but we kind of you know, narrow in on some of the things that may have been consistently short as far as their um, eating history goes. And the thing that I hear a lot is stool improvement, energy improvement, and coat improvement, especially dogs who have um, a darker coat. We, we see a lot of improvement in color. Uh, as far as how the owner feels, the biggest thing I hear all the time is how relieved they feel because they don't have to they don't feel like they're having to guess about what's in their dog's food. Like, is my dog's food low in vitamin E or D? Uh, you know, I provide all the nutrients that are in the recipe, but also, you know, relative to their dog's nutrient requirements, which also takes into consideration, you know, day-to-day -day activity and things like that. Um, and especially dogs with sensitive stomachs, you know, being able to look at the diet history and be like, okay, um, maybe ingredients were too high in fat. Uh, we're being consistently picked. So let's make something that's, um, you know, lower in fat and, and see how they do. And that's really satisfying to identify an issue, address it and make something that works for the dog and works for the owner. Savannah, you, pro you provide so many great resources on your website, which for our listeners is www.feedthydog.com. And you include things like an adult dog calorie cal calculator, 
a dog food label calculator, and much more. One thing my eye was drawn to was the section, what commercial dog food should I feed my dog? So when I clicked on it, there wasn't a single answer, like one answer, but it was a decision tree. So can you walk us through that decision tree um, and what you know listeners should take it into account when they're using it? Yeah, so I kind of have this um, love-hate relationship with this post because the reason why I wrote this guide was because mostly you know, on social media, I would see somebody post, what food should I feed my dog? And of course, everybody just posts the food that works for their dog. And it doesn't take into consideration a lot of these things. Um, I like how you called it a decision tree. Um, it's a good name for it. Um, yeah. So when you, when you do go through that, that guide, you'll find that it doesn't say you should feed this or you should feed that. Instead, it asks you questions to help you arrive at um, you know, a product that hopefully fits your needs and your dog's needs. So, um, and unfortunately, a good part of this this um, guide is just trying to read the dog labels in general because they're way overcomplicated. Um, yeah, and I, I hope for improvement in the future in them. But basically, you know, we look at both the owner and the dog. So for the owner, you know, we have to take into consideration bud, uh, budget um, and how you feed your dog. So obviously, um, you know, I prefer controlled feeding, but if you're a free feeder, then that's going to kind of reduce, you know, some of those options. Um, how much, you know, like I said, if you can afford the food uh, is the, and then for the dog, obviously there's, there's a lot to it is, do you have a puppy? Do you have an adult? Uh, is your dog a couch potato or an athlete? So then we have to look at, you know, the caloric density of the food. The feeding guidelines is one that I really hit hard because, uh, and that goes right hand in hand with how many calories are in the food. Because if you're feeding a food that's way too high in calories for your dog's activity level, and you start feeding below the feeding guidelines consistently, and you're not reaching that goal weight, then that means that there are, um, there's low level of nutrients being provided to the dog uh, consistently, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the, in, in the podcast, because of the way that dog food is formulated. Um, and then we look at some of the uh, ingredients. Are you okay with the ingredients? Do they use, you know, like split ingredients? Uh, are you okay with the type of preservative that's used? Then we look at the manufacturer and we also look at the macronutrient distribution, which is, of course, going to be really important for uh, dogs who do have a sensitive stomach. So if you're able to look at the foods you have fed and, and saw what did work and, and did not work, we can see, well, they typically did better on foods with this much fiber or this much fat. So I also have calculators to help you know, calculate that too, because it doesn't just tell you on the label, unfortunately. Um, mm. And then just overall observing how your dog does with each food. Uh, the most common issue I see here is um, poor coat health. And so, so people will feed a food and they notice that their, their dog's coat health is very poor. So they'll add something like coconut oil or fish oil and the coat improves. But that might tell me that the food has you know, low quality fat or um, not enough fat. And so we're just kind of putting a Band-Aid on a, on a food that might have issues overall for the dog. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to it. Um, but I hope that having that checklist, uh, or decision tree helps in that, in that area. Yeah. That's so interesting that some of the things that you brought up here, because 
you know, when you go on those Facebook groups and so many people, it's really run rampant. Everyone just goes to the Facebook groups and they're trying to solve a specific issue. But from what you're saying, I mean, you should kind of, those issues may be leading to a larger problem that people should be looking at more holistically than just, you know, focusing on their dog's coat quality. For example, I've seen a lot of people that use these sprays on their dog's coat. And I've always kind of thought, you know, if you can, well, what, what is causing that really brittle coat or super oily coat? There's got to be some root cause there that, you know, the dog owners should be focused on. Yeah. So that's great to bring up. Absolutely. I think um, you worded that perfectly because yeah, with the, for example, with the low fat, you know, maybe we see disturbances to coat health, but we might not see suboptimal intake of fat soluble vitamins because the fat is low. So yeah, we're, that's definitely addressing a symptom instead of approaching the the issue from a holistic perspective. Right. And then you didn't bring up another topic that we've actually never touched upon, which is free feeding versus people who have sort of time feedings, or maybe they feed once, two times, three times a day. Um, do you have any sort of preference for how people do that? I've never, I've, I've done it both ways for various dogs. Um, and, but I know that some people feel really strongly against free feeding. So a lot depends on the life stage, right? So, um, lactation, for example, can make it more difficult to have controlled feeding where as at any time where you have, um, you know, limited uh, food intake, you know, it's called a bulk limiting where you can't consume a large amount of food at a time. There's pros and cons to each way. I, I would say for the majority of dogs, I prefer controlled feeding because we're able to track energy intake. We know exactly, you know, what is being fed, what's being consumed. And also because oxygen just tends to be like the enemy of keeping food fresh. So, you know, leaving kibble out all day, uh, or really, you know, any food out all day is not ideal, especially when it comes to some of those uh, more fragile nutrients, especially the essential fatty acids. No, that makes sense. So it kind of depends on what type of food that you're feeding. um, And also it's customized to your dog, which is what we're learning more and more throughout this Mm -hmm. episode. Um, One of the things that I really wanted to talk about was DIY. So this is the craze that has basically infected every home in the U.S. and maybe beyond in different ways. Um, I really loved your post, Learn to DIY Feed. Um, It was one of my favorite sections. What are some of the most important elements to know or think about? And I know you've already touched on quite a few here, but anything else that someone should think about when they're diving into, you know, doing it themselves? Yeah. Again, you know, very individual. It depends on the person's background. Uh, when it, in my opinion, I think it's more important to take your time and not be in a rush and really work mm-hmm. on building a strong foundation of understanding. If we rush into it, you know, it's it's kind of difficult. There's kind of a learning curve, you know, in either approach. But if you rush into it, uh, it might it'll be difficult. It'll kind of level out, but you'll never be fully confident in what you're doing. And so with DIY, I think it's most ideal to just take it slow, learn, you know, the, uh, the fundamentals of nutrition science. And I'm not saying you have to go super, super crazy with it. I know from a lot of other perspectives, I, I, the content that I write can be 
uh, pretty in depth, but I still think the the concept is is the same. Build a really strong foundation. Take it slow. Don't expect this to be a weekend project, and uh, just learn slowly. Build a little bit uh, upon each thing that you learn, and then you'll you will get confident enough to feed you know DIY. That's awesome. I love do it yourself. I have. <laughs> been doing it a little bit with Duke already. So I think I'm going to take some of the knowledge from today and try to apply it. Um, so the final topic that Laura and I want to talk about is your transition guide. So our question for you is how can pet owners safely begin transitioning their dog to a variety of different feeds? So are you talking about like kibble to kibble or kibble to can or kibble to raw or, um, or just generally speaking? I think more generally, but also I think we're interested in adding variety to their, di- to their diet and maybe going towards more, a more fresh diet. So, yeah, I think, um, again, really depends on the dog. Some dogs can just switch foods and have no issue. I find that you know, just based off personal experience, I like doing a slow transition. There is this myth that you can't slowly transition from kibble to a fresh food diet or a raw diet, um, but that's not based in, in science at all. And I find that doing this slow transition, I know that transition guide has more uh, images that help me explain, but I find that reduces the chance of adverse side effects as far as disturbances to stools. Um, and I also find that the slow transition or transition in general is going to be successful if we have, you know, mindfully picked out introducing fresh foods. So if your dog, for example, was eating kibble, well, that tends to be a higher carbohydrate diet and you're wanting to switch to a fresh food diet, but you've selected, you know, foods that are really, really high in fat, um, that can be, uh, that can be an issue. So I would, I would say mindfully pick the fresh foods, typically lower in fat and work up uh, if you want to feed higher fat for energy reasons or um, whatever it is you're working with, uh, you know, that should be slowly worked up. But I do like the gradual transition method. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Savannah, the coolest thing about you and this interview is that everyone listening can take advantage of your services, even though you're located all the way in Holy. Helena, am I saying that right? Montana? <laughs> Helena, Montana, but that works. <laughs> okay. Uh, I know, Helena. Um, you provide recipe analysis, formulation, and even more than that. If listeners are interested in learning more or book- booking some of your services, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So um, feedthydog.com, you know, there's a contact box, but also my email, savannah at feedthydog.com works great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, we absolutely love talking to you and we've definitely learned a lot more from yeah, we have from from this episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely about variety and that every dog is different. I think those are two new ideas that we hadn't really gotten from any other interview yet. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Savannah. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. So we just finished up our interview with Savannah from Feed Thy Dog. What was your overall impression, Laurel? So she is really well educated in this space. Oh my gosh, yes. 
really is. I was impressed that she just finished up at Oxford Learning College and that she's now enrolled in Helena College. That's That she just keeps continuing her education like that is amazing. I feel like most people finish up with school and they're like, good, that's over with forever. You know, but there, there's people like Savannah who are like, what's next? Yeah. She puts a big focus on continuous learning mm -hmm. and not only just continuous learning, but also um, she's practicing it at the same time, which is so important. <laughs> As we're recording this, both Duke and Charlie, the best of friends, just <laughs> stole a slipper. <laughs> oh my gosh. It looks like one of Owen's because it's a pretty big slipper. It but is. It is now all slobbery. Now it's mine. <laughs> uh, awkward. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a really great interview. And I feel like I'm still processing everything that I learned because there was so much knowledge that Savannah had to share with us. Mm. Yeah, my biggest takeaways from that is that just that you don't necessarily have to go, like she's not preaching all fresh food. Mm -hmm. I found it much easier to consume what she was saying because she was saying that, you know, you could do um, a mix of kibble and fresh food, which is encouraging to hear because it does feel overwhelming to just go fresh food all the way. I really like also that she wasn't one size fits all. Mm -hmm. It was more like what you were saying, like maybe fresh fruit is the answer for one dog, but not for another dog and their owner. So everybody should be working to find their own solution that works for them and their furry friend. Yeah, it's so important, especially with the explosion of Facebook groups um, that are based around these certain things. And, you know, it, this explosion of armchair experts without a... Mm -hmm. um, for lack of a better term, it is so important to understand what's best for you and your dog mm -hmm. um, because your dog could be, you know, screaming signs of nutritional deficiency and you could be not picking that up or you could be taking someone's advice that has a completely different dog and different makeup. Absolutely. Cool. So this has been a really great interview. I'm happy we did it as yes. always. Uh, what do we have going on next week? Actually talking to Keen Paws, it's another dog walking and dog training service. Ooh, fun. Yeah, and they are really based local to Canton, Massachusetts, and just an expert in what they do. I'm really keen to talk to them. <laughs> I love that you said that, Sarah. <laughs> uh, okay, so definitely be sure to tune in next week. Email us at dogcasters at whatisdog.com. And you can also visit our website and blog, which is also whatisdog.com. And then follow us on our Instagram, which is at whatisdogcast. Talk to you next week. Talk Bye. to you later. Bye.